You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 15 of the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation, and alongside me, as always, Brandon Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. What's up, BLG? Uh, Stats, glad to be here with you after a rare Eagles win, uh, but we don't have to really talk about that at first, do we? No, we're not. In fact, thank you for <laughs> steering us off course immediately, 30 seconds into the pod. There is only one place to start today and that is with the monday night football game last night ravens 47 browns 42 it's the third highest scoring game in monday night football history there were 20 points scored in the last two minutes of the game and i don't know how to summarize everything that went on so i'm going to do it this way i'm going to read this tweet from mike golick jr last night we just had a game where the star quarterback spent almost a full quarter pooping Both teams went for two in key spots. One team is named the Browns, and the other features a key player named Brown, and it ended on a backdoor cover. This game is proof of a deity. Uh, Am I supposed to react to this? (laughs) I I mean, I don't know how to sum it up any better than that. It was one of the craziest games we've ever seen, so we're going to get some help. We're going to go to Baltimore, and we're going to bring in a guy in Jake Luke who I'm pretty sure – has not slept since last night because he's been celebrating after an incredible win from Baltimore beatdown. Jake, thank you very much for the time this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, you painted the picture pretty well there. Uh, hopped on to record our show, the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. Check it out wherever you get your pods. Uh, that went live this morning. We recorded late into the night and uh, a couple glasses of wine and uh, just checking social media. A couple hours of sleep at most and uh, you know, hopped up. Got myself some coffee, and I'm now here on uh, on the show with you, fine folks. So uh, it's been been a whirlwind. Um, Mike Golick's tweet about the uh, existence of a deity. This is, you know, kind of the the time of year where you get some of the existential stuff creeping in with all the time off and the the weather and everything. So that's just what the soul needs, right there. If this were a loss, like I said before, we uh, got going here. This would not be a uh, a good version of myself, and maybe I'd be questioning some things. But uh, happy to be here in this uh, this jubilant sort of uh, festive mood. Can we just establish just straight away? There is no way that Lamar Jackson was getting an IV, right? (laughs) Lamar Jackson was pooping. He said he needed an IV for the cold, which doesn't make any sense because the cold doesn't dehydrate you. Like we can just admit it. He was not feeling well. He was sick. He was pooping. He's pretty adamant that he did. And like, I think the record does show that he did actually get an IV. He he came out with like the uh, bandage on his arm or uh, whatever that was. Pro football doc uh, was kind of tweeting about that a little bit. So I think he did get an IV, but that run to the locker room, guys, we've all seen that run before. We we know that's a poop run. run. Yeah, that is a poop run if I've ever seen one. So listen, it was, you know, I, they would have been if they had lost this game for him 
pooping or whatever he was doing in the locker room, that image of him just running in there would have stuck with me forever. And I was in a rough spot when McSorley was kind of getting thrown out to the wolves out there. It was uh, it was kind of a tough scene, but that image of him kind of emerging victorious. I was actually spent some time cutting together a video of the uh, the highlights of that with the Undertaker music playing uh, before I hopped on here with you guys. So uh, it's uh, probably going to come to define the season if they can close things out strong here. It was a game of runs, if you will. Uh, no. You could say that the Browns' chances of winning the North went down the toilet uh, with this loss for them. Uh, but focusing on Baltimore's side here, and speaking of runs, going on a run here, I mean, no team had a, a bigger boost in terms of making the playoffs uh, than the Ravens this week, looking at football outsiders here, plus 29.4%. They're up to 39 or 83, sorry, 0.9%. They're currently the eighth seed in the uh, AFC playoff picture, which of course would leave the Ravens on the outside looking in, but uh, Dolphins also eight and five there. So, so what do we think for the Ravens here? You know, for, the, for their final three games, Jake, uh, where do you think they finish after uh, kind of heating up here? Honestly, like I was pretty resigned to the fact that 10 and six was sort of the ceiling before this game, but after going out there, showing what they just showed me and with the remaining schedule, you have Jaguars at home, Giants at home, Bengals with no Joe Burrow on the road. Feels like there's a pretty pretty clear route to 11-5 and five if they can just take care of business. So, I, you know, at this point, I would say fairly confident in that. And uh, you need some help here still. I think you need a Browns loss, a Dolphins loss, or a Colts loss, or something like that to really finally nudge them into that picture. But funny enough, they're still alive in the AFC North, weirdly. like The, the Steelers would have to lose, lose out, which isn't going to happen. But it just kind of goes to show you what one kind of crazy win can do to uh, flip your chances. And after getting that massive win and in the way that they did it, I think it could serve as a pretty good springboard for them to jump up into this AFC playoff picture here down the stretch. Speaking of things flipping, describe to me the feeling about Lamar Jackson before he goes into the locker room. He's 6 of 11 for 81 yards versus after he comes out of the locker room, 5 of 6 for 82 yards passing and a touchdown. Like, how does that how did he flip that narrative from what we saw for three quarters versus what we saw at the end of the game? He's a microwave man. You know, he's liable to heat it up anytime, like really quickly. And what he was doing is it's interesting because like early or maybe not early in the season, but early in the season, he went out there and wanted to show that he could be this pocket passer. This his first game this season was against the Browns. He was 22 for 25, three touchdowns, looked like one of the best pocket passers in the league. That kind of devolved a little bit as the offensive talent dwindled around him with a ton of injuries going on. So kind of the whole like, all right, I'm just going to be, you know, drop back and be a passer, particularly with some of the issues they have at wide receiver. It just wasn't conducive to what they were looking at down this recent stretch of game. So me and Spencer, my co-host, were just lobbying him for him to just cut it loose, just start scrambling more. He doesn't really scramble as much as people think. He's, he's much more like a designed run quarterback. So the last couple of games, he's been doing that. We saw it against the Cowboys. We saw it tonight big time. And that's what he was doing in that early stretch. You mentioned kind of the paltry passing numbers, which certainly you could criticize him for that. So some people were, and he missed two big throws to, I believe, Willie Sneed and Mark Andrews, like that could have gone for touchdowns. The Andrews one in particular was pretty bad. And that was kind of the moment where you thought the game could maybe flip. And it started to flip on its head. And that was right before he went into the locker room. So like I said, if he had ended his night missing those two throws and then going into the locker room for a, uh, a, a call with nature, that would have been a, a mega tough scene here for us Ravens fans. But the fact that he was able to come out, not just win the games, win the game with his legs, but rolling out, hitting that pass to Hollywood Brown. And then his connection with Mark Andrews, you know, it's kind of been tough with Andrews. Well, I mean, they both got COVID, but 
Andrews had COVID more recently, and they've kind of been missing it the last couple of weeks. For him to come back, those guys are just on the same wavelength somehow, and they just made magic on that last drive to set up Justin Tucker. So it, it was good to see him flip that narrative on his head for sure. Yeah, so I think the Ravens have been an interesting team to follow uh, from afar this year here, just because you know you, you they you know they start um, pretty well. They lose to the Chiefs early in the season, but it's like, okay, they're still kind of rolling here. But things don't feel quite as right. You know, Lamar not looking quite, you know, maybe like his uh, 2019 MVP self. You kind of uh, dug in there, Jake, on why, you know, I guess some of the, there was some inconsistency in, in the offense wasn't firing on all cylinders earlier. Uh, but what's your confidence level now, I guess, going into the playoffs? Do you do you feel like things have turned a corner? Um, do you feel like, uh, you know, this team really can make that run? Uh, again, no pun intended there that 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 time. Just getting um, all the run puns off here. I love it. I, I didn't mean to do it that time. That just came out. <laughs> um, all right, that's another one. Anyway, uh, so so what's your confidence level? Basically, is what I'm asking. It's pretty good, man. I think if they can just stick to what they've been doing the last couple games versus the Cowboys, we saw Greg Roman kind of start to lean into J.K. Dobbins a little bit, and there was some, I think, a ton of trepidation among the fan base. Like, why are you going to use a second round pick on this running back if you're not going to use him? And sort of my whole refrain during that, you know, I don't want to sound like company man, just company line, but my whole thing was like, why not just use Mark Ingram? Why not just use Gus Edwards during this early stretch of games? Then when it starts to get cold, you've got this weapon on the bench, this young guy who has fresh legs, and he's going to start showing out for you when you need him. And that's what you saw against the Cowboys. He had a massive game against them. Another big game for him tonight. Another big game from Gus Edwards. They pretty much went away from Mark Ingram, which kind of needs to happen at this point. I love the guy, but... He's just kind of not getting it done anymore, at least not in the way that he was in 2019. So Gus Edwards is kind of that straightforward kind of battering ram of a running back. Dobbins is sort of that juiced up, you know, alpha dog that you want, that bell cow type of back. So utilizing more of those guys, just getting back to that smash power, football power run game type thing and letting Lamar use his legs a little bit. I think it's a good formula and I'm confident that they they found what they need to do to stick with it over this uh, final stretch. Everything you're saying about the offense makes sense to me. Like, especially with if Lamar is who he is and just plays the way he needs to play, their offense is going to be great. My worry about the Ravens is the defense. And I mean, last night, this is going to be forgotten because Lamar got the job done at the end of the game. But Baker goes down and goes 75 yards in four plays and only faces one second down the entire drive. He carved up that defense so fast in a huge spot when Baltimore had all the momentum. Are there worries about that defense going forward? A little bit. You have a ton of guys coming back from COVID. So Matt Judon is their top linebacker coming off of it. Kalias Campbell, a guy, you know, not for nothing in his mid thirties had it. He had it pretty badly apparently. So he really couldn't give them much tonight. A couple other guys were struggling with it. Marlon Humphrey had it. like just a ton of guys coming off of it. So they're definitely not looking good. The issues, I think it's just kind of compounded right now because of that. But they always kind of had a little bit of a suspect pass rush, at least as far as getting home. And that's even been the case with Unique Ngakwe, who they traded for. He's been getting so, so close every single game and just hasn't been able to quite make that big play quite yet. So they need the pass rush to kick it up a little bit. But I think they just need to get guys healthy. In the secondary, they're down to like a pretty bare bones, uh, you know, smattering of options behind their top two at cornerback. And at safety, you've got two guys that are, very good, but they're both young, and neither of them are that rangy Earl Thomas type that you would like to have. So talk about a weird season. Earl Thomas was supposed to be on this team. Everyone is probably forgetting about that, but uh, shout out to him for all, all that stuff that happened and uh, him getting thrown off the team. So 
it's just it, they're kind of in a weird spot, but I do have confidence they're going to bring it back together because, like I mentioned, missing some guys coming off of COVID, their issues are compounded right now. I think once they're fully healthy, fully ready to go and ready to feast upon, you know, you got Gardner Minshew, some sort of combination of Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy, and then whoever the Bengals are trotting out there. I'm not even sure at this point. I think that's kind of a, a good stretch of games to maybe tune things back up for a potential playoff run if they get in. So true or false, this is the first, this is the year that Lamar Jackson gets his first playoff win. That's a good question. I want to say probably true. It really depends on that first round draw. You know, they could be set up to uh, get into a tough spot with the way that the seeds are going to be like kind of weird this year with that seven seed. Where are they going to go? Like if they get like a team like the Chiefs, you know, seven against one, I'm not sure if that's how that even would even work, but I would say probably not. And he's probably being set up to fail in that case. But if he gets somebody like the Steelers, I think they could beat the Steelers. I mean, they almost did it two times, one with their you know minor league team that they trotted out there during the COVID Cup, as we were calling it. And then uh, you know that other time in week eight where they were four yards away and they just didn't get it done. So if they drew the Steelers, I'd be confident. The Bills are a really good team. They'd, they'd be tough to go into uh, Orchard Park and get that W, but you know I wouldn't necessarily totally count them out of it. So I think there's uh, some options for them to maybe go on the road and finally get it done here. And John Harbaugh has shown that he is an absolute road dog when it comes to the playoffs. I think he has maybe the most amount of uh, road wins in you know, playoff history, the, at least the last decade since he's kind of been coaching. So I'd be fairly confident depending on the draw, like I said. I have said on the record, I think the Raiders and the Colts are boring as hell. I'm rooting for Baltimore to make the playoffs. Uh, last night was a perfect example. They are a fascinating team to watch. Jake Luke from the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, thank you very much for the time. Please go get some rest. You can relax now and just enjoy the rest of the day after an incredible game. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Keep up all the great work with the show, okay? I'll try, but it's hard to carry BLG sometimes. <laughs> I'm a big guy. It is hard to carry me. <laughs> so that's the Ravens side of things, BLG. But let's look at it from the Cleveland perspective. You know, Baker Mayfield was having an okay time but we said time and time again that the path to victory for the Browns was running the ball and the last two weeks Baker Mayfield has looked very good he was incredible last night he's not going to get the credit he deserves because they lost but he was awesome when it counted yeah I don't think the Browns really need to hang their heads you know for this loss I mean that's that's just heck of a game and like so one team has to lose unless there's a tie so uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit yeah Baker definitely did some real impressive things real some real clutch drives there um, for the Browns. I think it's it's just tough in that, you know, the Browns kind of had a chance here with the Steelers stumbling to potentially, you know, make a run at that AFC North title. And now they, they really can't. Um, their odds in that regard have gone down a lot, down to something like uh, winning the division is like 0.8% now. Or, you know, the Steelers are 99.2% favorites to win that AFC North division. So uh, tough loss in that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I would not feel like shamed if I were a Browns fan after that loss. And, you know, they have a new coach this year. They're breaking in a new coach. They kind of started slowly to start the year. I'm wondering if this Browns team that we've seen recently is really more reflective of who they are. And if that's the case, I mean, I think they're easily one of the best teams in the AFC. I think they can beat anybody in the AFC. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of the metrics heading into that Titans game, really, um, where I thought the Titans would beat them, were kind of like the Browns aren't as good as their record indicated. And even just getting to watch them against the Eagles, I was like, this team is beating the Eagles, but like the Eagles are terrible. And the game is a lot closer than it should be. Like, I'm not really impressed with Cleveland here. I came into the game wanting to be impressed. Like, I had a very open mind about it. But I was like, 
I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not really feeling it here. And Baker Mayfield especially wasn't really great in that game. But it seems like they're getting hot at the right time, which is what the NFL playoffs are all about. Stats, kind of. Um, a lot of the, the one seeds are winning in recent years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to be a dangerous team. The Cleveland Browns are going to be a playoff team. I can't believe those words came out of my mouth, but it is true. Let's sort of zoom out here and look at the bigger playoff picture in the AFC. Kansas City is the one seed. Pittsburgh is the two. Buffalo is the three. The Titans are at four because they win the tiebreaker over the Colts based on division record. Cleveland, as we said, is the five. They beat the Colts head-to-head, so they bring that tiebreaker. Indy is at six. The Dolphins are at seven. They win the tiebreaker over Baltimore because of conference record. And the Ravens are eight. I think, as a whole, the AFC is way better than the NFC. Would you agree with that? Um. Yeah. I mean, in part because you're going to have maybe potentially a sub 500 winner <laughs> in in the NFC playoff picture with you know the NFC East winner although we'll see about that uh, Washington only one game behind 500 right now but yeah I think there's just like a lot of teams I mean you just look at it record wise like in the NFC playoff picture you have like the Vikings they're six and seven the, the Bears are somehow still alive now at six and seven in the ninth spot where you know again you look over to the afc and it's like the teams in those seven nine eight it's like eight and five eight and five seven and six so yeah definitely now let's stay in the afc north because we were just talking about ravens browns and then going to the steelers you know everything's great they're rolling along they're undefeated all of a sudden bam they lose to washington we're like all right it's kind of a speed bump and then they play the bills and they lose that game What's your level of panic with the Steelers right now? I'm not ready to totally panic just because I think Jeff Hartman on the Monday Football Monday podcast doing a guest spot there, my good friend Jeff, uh, did a good job of kind of outlining. It's not that the Steelers, or at least I'm, I'm, I'm with him on this take, it's not that the Steelers are a fraud and that um, everything they did before like wasn't legitimate. It's just that they're not that team right now. Like They're a different team. The defense has been hit hard by injuries. That's a problem. Obviously, Roethlisberger not on top of his game right now. So I think because of that, um, because I think they're not playing like that team earlier this year, I think they can still find that. I think they can get back to that. I'm not going to discount them. I think it's just too early to write them out. I mean, again, they're, what, 11-2 uh, and two here? Like I think it's, it's silly mm-hmm. to write off that kind of team. But, it, I mean, it is concerning. I, I definitely have more level of concern than I did before. Um, I think the Bills are going to overtake them for that number two spot. Uh, so you're, you're potentially looking at like a three, what, like a three, six here. Um, and yeah, I, I think they could lose in the first round. I think it's it's totally possible. I totally agree with what you said about Buffalo. You have the Bills at number two in your power rankings. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. To me, there is no team with a bigger arrow pointing up in the AFC than Buffalo. I think now more than ever, like I legitimately feel like the Bills can win the Super Bowl. Like I, I feel it. Like <laughs> I, I, I think that can happen. Um, now, obviously, you know, getting past the Chiefs is easier said than done, and you know, we'll, we'll have to see that to believe that. But I, I feel like there's a legitimate chance uh, this team is playing well. Huge like, signature win over the Steelers here, and uh, yeah, they're again. You talk about teams getting hot going into the playoffs. The Bills are one of those teams. To me, you need three things in this current NFL to win a Super Bowl. You need a head coach that's good situationally. You need a defense, a strong defense that either doesn't give up a ton of yardage or at the very minimum forces a lot of turnovers. And three, you need a quarterback 
that can absolutely just carry the team and overcome anything. And I mean, you saw it last night with Lamar. I mean, the the Ravens defense is giving up 42 points. Hollywood Browns dropping passes left, right, and center. And it didn't matter because Lamar put on the Superman cape and overcame all of that. You need a quarterback that's going to be able to overcome adversity. And to me, the Bills check all of those boxes. Josh Allen is great. We've seen him put on the cape this year himself. That defense is good enough in Buffalo. And I think Sean McDermott is a really good head coach. Yeah, I was going to say the defense has settled down too here a little bit. You know, 17 points, uh, 24 points, and then 15 to the Steelers. So the defense is kind of uh, – it doesn't have to be amazing. It doesn't have to be like that old Bills defense that we knew for being like elite. It just has to be respectable. And I think the offense is exploding here, and they're going to find success in the playoffs. Can we just look at the, the teams in the AFC and see sort of who fits that criteria? I think the Kansas City Chiefs definitely do, right? We agree on that? Yeah. Do the Steelers fit that criteria? I don't know. Uh, I mean, the, the current version of them doesn't, no. But again, it's it's a matter of if they can kind of get back to where they were. Do you think that they can? I, I just, you know, with Big Ben's health and everything, that concerns me. Again, the defensive injuries, I just, I don't know. I, I Sometimes teams peak too soon. Like, that's a real thing that happens. Like, they, they kind of have their, uh, their peak earlier on as opposed to being hot going into playoffs. And I would be concerned, you know, if the Steelers are kind of cold going into the playoffs. So I'm not out on them. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not ready to write them off, but I am troubled. Okay, we talked about Buffalo. How about Tennessee at four? Do they fit all three of those things? I mean, it's hard to count them out, right? I mean, Derrick Henry is a monster. Somehow he's having an even better season. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> like, even better season than he did last year. It's just insane with like, what, 231 rushing yards? I know it's the Jaguars, but still, like, that's, that's, that's our video game numbers. Uh, and just seeing the Titans go you know, like they did to the AFC championship game last year, and then even be up on the Chiefs. Like, that's not a team that I want to count out. Their defense, a little suspect there. A little suspect. It's burned me before, but if, you, if you're buying into the mantra of playoff football and like that running the ball really matters and Derrick Henry can kind of hide their defense a little bit by controlling the clock, um, they're a tough team. I think you, you can't count them out. And I almost wonder, too, if – Vrabel is so good situationally that does he sort of pick up the slack if there's a little bit lacking in the other two areas? Oh, another thing to consider here too. Yeah, I like Vrabel a lot uh, as as we've talked about all year. But another thing looking at this, like Ryan Tannehill now has, you know, like and the Titans as a whole, they have some playoff experience if you buy into that being a valuable thing under their belt. Whereas a team like the Browns very much does not. And that's, that's been especially relevant for quarterbacks. I think when you look at the record of like uh, neophyte quarterbacks, you know, these quarterbacks who are making their first playoff start, typically it doesn't go well for them. Um, so if you buy, if you subscribe to that theory, I mean, that's like a big edge that the Titans would have if it that ends up being the 4-5 matchup there. How about Cleveland? I don't know about their head coach situationally. I think that Baker is kind of starting to show that he can put the team on the back. And... The defense looks good at times, but they also gave up 47 points last night. So I, I don't know. I've been impressed with Stephen, Kevin Stephen, Kevin Stefanski here. Uh, you know, I, I didn't fully know what to make of that hire. I, I thought like how things went in Minnesota were kind of weird. You know, they hired John DeFilippo uh, kind of to be the savior there. He gets fired and they promote Stefanski within season. Um, the same season that Flip was first hired. And I, I, I didn't fully know what to make of it, but he's come in. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. I think he he was great in the game on Monday night. And uh, so I, I have a level of confidence in him. Yeah, the Baker factor is still kind of 
I, I don't want to be a Baker hater here. I, I've never considered myself one, a doubter of him, but I just see the inconsistency and I kind of have my questions there. I love Baker Mayfield. I don't know why people get so bent out of shape, but just because he has a personality and he does endorsements, like people don't like him. Like to me, the league is more interesting when the Browns are good because he's interesting. I think it's a fair take. Uh, how about Indianapolis? I like their head coach. I like their defense. I don't know if Phillip Rivers is still at that point where he can overcome adversity around him. I've thought about the legacy of Phillip Rivers before, and I'm like, isn't that kind of crazy? Like, he hasn't had more success than he's had. Like, he's been around yeah. forever, and it's like, when is he going to, like, finally, you know, maybe win a Super Bowl or something? <laughs> like, it's crazy because he's a Hall of Famer, right? But it's like, like, where's the ring? And I just don't know, you know, that it's here for him at this point. Uh, you know, being that, you know, at his age and everything. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know about that one. We, we've kind of had that, those doubts about the Colts all year because of Rivers and, and he's had some games that make us like, okay, you know, maybe it's in there, but I don't know. I do wonder if there's a little bit, like part of Philip Rivers is smiling because he's like, look, Eli's retired. Ben is struggling right now playing like crap. I'm still playing pretty well. I'm still here. You know, the last sort of guy in that quarterback class that's playing at a high level. The Tom Brady, I'm still here. Is that what he's saying? <laughs> well, like you said, he doesn't have the ring, so he's got to go with the longevity. And then the final playoff team in the AFC right now, the Miami Dolphins, the seventh seed. Uh, I love their head coach, and their defense is impressive, kind of like a no-name defense there in Miami. But the quarterback, there's major questions whether it's Fitz or Tua. The Dolphins remaining schedule here, stats. Patriots uh, at home. Dolph- or Raiders on the road and then bills in week 17 Ooh. and that will also be on the road. So, and there's no guarantee they make the playoffs here. Unfortunately, um, those are some tough games in there for them. Now, you know, obviously if they beat the Raiders, that'd be really big for them because the Raiders are ninth right now in that playoff picture. They're seven and six. Uh, so again, but, but I mean, Baltimore's surging here. That's the thing. Like Baltimore is right there, eight and five. And, uh, and and then they have an easier schedule, I think, or at least the way they're they're hotter right now. I might have a little more faith in them making it, and the Dolphins kind of being on the outside looking in. Like I I think this has been a very positive year for Miami. Kind of no matter what happens, if they make it or if they don't, uh, a very good you know year two of the Brian Flores era. But uh, but yeah, I'm not sure they're locked to make the postseason. Yeah, it would be sad because they they've played so well at times this year. But I agree, they're a year ahead of schedule at least. I mean. Let's, you know, things are good if you're a Dolphin fan, regardless of what happens. This season is just sort of like the icing on the cake. All right, so that is the playoff picture in the AFC right now. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll look at the NFC. We'll look at some oddities. And we got to get to the survivor picks, BLG, because I, much like the Ravens, I'm coming on strong. I am closing the gap. All right, we did the AFC. Now it's time to look at the NFC playoff picture. Packers are the new one seed, thanks to the New Orleans loss. They beat New Orleans head-to-head, so they're at one. Saints are two. The Rams are three. They win the tiebreak over Seattle because they have dominated the Seahawks head-to-head. Washington is six and seven. They are the four seed. Seattle is nine and four. They are the five seed. Tampa Bay, eight and five, is the six. And the Cardinals got a win. They are seven and six, holding on to the final playoff spot in the NFC. Let's start at the top of the standings where the Saints lose to the Eagles, which allows the Green Bay to leapfrog them for the number one seed. And the Saints, I mean, Sean Payton is so lucky that 
when his quarterback goes down, they got to play the Falcons twice. They got to play Denver, who literally asked if a coach could play quarterback. That's the situation they were in. And then they got Jalen Hurts in his first NFL start. And the joke's on them because Hurts played well. Yeah, I think it was kind of a trap game scenario for the Saints a little bit because, you know, they had the Chiefs here coming up in week 15. And I think they might have been overlooking that one a little bit. Uh, so the Eagles certainly took advantage. Jalen Hurts looked pretty solid in this first NFL start. But this is a big loss for the Saints stats. I mean, I think we've been talking about how they need this number one seed more than anyone else in the NFC. I mean, you have Drew Brees. He's aging. He's hurt. You need to get him that extra week of rest. And to not have that now, potentially, and, and I just said, like, so not only do they drop to 10-3, and three, and do they, you know, they not have the tiebreaker against the Packers who own it over them, well, now they're facing the Chiefs. So they might drop another game here, uh, and Drew Brees still, uh, we don't really know for sure his health status, so that's not looking good for them. Uh, you know, Taysom Hill's only going to work out for so long. So, yeah, Saints suddenly not in as good of a shape. And, you know, for an Eagles team that's kind of been owned by the Saints, and has been taunted by the Saints in many ways. Uh, I think the Eagles, if nothing else, in a very disappointing year, can kind of take solace in the fact of ruining, potentially, the Saints' playoff run. I do want to talk about the Eagles a little bit, but first, I just want to mention, I am not buying the New Orleans Saints' defense as this like outstanding unit. If you look back, yeah, they've given up small point totals in their last couple of games, but look who they were playing. I mean, the Falcons, okay, is that a great team? No. The Broncos, like we said, with no quarterback. The Falcons, again. The 49ers with Nick Mullins. I mean, usually when they play a quarterback that's not a complete dumpster fire, they give up at least 25 points. I don't think the Saints defense is nearly as good as they've looked. And if Taysom Hill is the quarterback, that team is eminently vulnerable, especially given Sean Payton's tremendous ability to disappoint in the playoffs. I think the interesting thing about the Saints defense here is that they hadn't really faced a mobile quarterback all season. They had allowed 76 total rushing yards uh, to quarterbacks. I was looking it up before the game last week. And the most mobile quarterbacks they faced, at least in terms of like the highest rushing totals for quarterbacks, were Teddy Bridgewater and Justin Herbert who aren't exactly, you know, Lamar Jackson. So um, I think for Jalen Hurts to show that he can kind of do what he did and and the Saints are vulnerable to maybe a mobile quarterback here, I mean, I, I wonder, you know, like how that's going to work for them in the playoffs if they run into, let's say, a Russell Wilson or uh, maybe a Kyler Murray. You know, I think that's something to consider. And Patrick Mahomes this week. I mean, God, he I certainly am aware that his mobility can be a crusher at times because he goes to it when he needs it. But let's go to Jalen Hurts a little bit, BLG, because we have been calling for him to start. He finally gets in there. I was really impressed with what we saw, and it was had to be refreshing for you as an Eagles fan to see the offense sort of function a little bit. That's the key thing, Stats. It wasn't like, you know, the offense lit the world on fire and everything was amazing and, and elite, but it was functional. And Jalen Hurts, the best thing he did was just play a winning, smart brand of football where he wasn't really taking negative plays. He didn't take a, a single sack, Stats. Carson Wentz, most sack quarterback in the NFL this year. Uh, and this, despite the fact the Eagles being on their 12th, uh, I believe, offensive line configuration in 13 games in this game against the Saints. So it's not like, you know, some stud offensive line all of a sudden. Um, it's it's really Hurts' mobility that was big in this game. He picked up eight rushing first downs. He kept the chains moving. Didn't do, like, a ton with his arm, and we kind of need to see him build on that, you know, the rest of this season, kind of prove himself a little bit more as a passer. But just as a total offensive weapon here, I mean, he did a really good job. He led this 
Eagles uh, offense, which was looking broken and pathetic, uh, to what should have been 27 points, if not for a 22-yard missed field goal by Dick Elliott, who was one of the worst contracts in the NFL, third highest <laughs> valued kicker contract, missed seven kicks in 13 games this year. Or so he has seven games with a missed kick out of 13 games. Uh, but yeah, so impressive first start for Hertz. If I had to grade him, I think I'm giving him like a B plus. But uh, but yeah. There are Carson Wentz trade rumors a swirling. Are you sold right now to say you're willing to trade Carson Wentz and get on the Jalen Hurts train? Not quite yet after just one start. And also that, you know, it totally depends on the offer um, of what you're getting for Carson Wentz. But it's certainly on the table. You can't rule it out at this point. I think it is kind of weird stats that there's a lot of thinking in Philly. And I'm not going to I don't want to you know say every Eagles fan thinks this, but there is a sentiment out there that's like you got to get rid of Doug Peterson. He broke Carson Wentz. He doesn't know how to fix him. And yet Doug Peterson's stats is 11 and 2 when he's without Carson Wentz. So you're really going to be like, oh, oh, as the Eagles, you're going to be like, okay, let's fire our Super Bowl winning head coach to make sure the highest priority is to fix this quarterback who is broken and also probably has a, a hand in breaking himself in terms of him being really uh, having a lot of control and dictating the offense. Like, isn't that a little funny that you would just like so easily cast that guy aside? I wouldn't get rid of him. Coaches that have won Super Bowls do not grow on trees. And especially if Hertz shows more competency as the season closes, like why would you then want to get rid of Doug? P- like that doesn't, that doesn't compute with me. So hopefully nothing crazy happens in Philly, but it's Philly. So you never know. The Eagles still alive in the NFC East. I don't think it's going to happen, but Hey, they are with Jalen Hurts. Well, let's get to the NFC East then. Cause you and I were arguing before we press record here, Washington is six and seven right now. I still don't think Washington is a very good team. I think if they were playing anybody but the 49ers, they they probably wouldn't have won that game. I mean, their their offense was absolutely dominated by the 49ers. Washington had 192 total yards in the game, but San Francisco was just completely inept, so Washington gets the win. Do you think that they're the best team in that division? I do. I mean, especially, you know, Daniel Jones is hurt right now and probably really shouldn't have even been playing against the Cardinals, um, so that kind of limits the Giants there. That Washington defense is just, I think we've been saying it all year, um, like it's the best unit in the NFC East when you're talking about like a single offense or defense. It's it's like fourth in DVOA. It's just a really strong defense. That defensive line specifically, you know, with Chase Young there, it's a dominant group. There's so many first round picks. There's so many Alabama players on that <laughs> defense. It's a it's a legitimately good defense. And now, yeah, the offense isn't great. And I think the the Washington is really missing uh, Antonio Gibson here. If he can get healthy. I think that would be a big deal for them because that was kind of their formula. They needed to be able to really to run the ball to kind of help prop up Alex Smith. Uh, it's not like they can just rely on the quarterback position to do everything for them. But but they're tough. I think I think the I think Washington could win a playoff game. I think their defense is that good. They have a legitimate shot to win a playoff game, and I think they will win the NFC East here. I think they really only need two more wins, if I'm not mistaken, to clinch this thing. They have uh, a schedule down the stretch that I wouldn't say easy. They play Washington. No, no, they are Washington. They don't play Washington. They play Carolina. They play the Seahawks. Then they have the Eagles in week 17. So I think they're going to get at least two more wins here and clinch this thing. And uh, it's kind of a weird position for them because as I think every other NFC East fan, like if you're a fan of the Giants, you're a fan of the Eagles, you're a fan of the Cowboys, you're fine with Washington winning the division because you don't want that team getting a quarterback in the draft. Can I just give a little love to Ron Rivera, please? He comes in, no offseason whatsoever. 
He's got really no super strong starting quarterback. There's nobody in Washington that you say that's the guy. And he's going through cancer treatments, by the way. And all he does is take this organization, which had been basically nothing but dysfunctional for years before he got there. He gets the defense situated. He gets good enough play from his from the quarterback spot. And yeah, the division is down, but he's just an adult. He's an adult there. He's a professional coach. And he just elevates, I just think, the level of this team and the professionalism there in a way that they haven't had basically since Joe Gibbs was the head coach. When the Washington football team hired Ron Rivera, it wasn't that like the reaction in Philly was that like Eagles fans were shaking in their boots. Um but it was kind of like, oh, man, like Ron Rivera brings credibility to Washington. Yeah. Like, he's going to raise their floor at the very least. I still kind of wonder about the ceiling with that team again because of the quarterback situation. And that's part of why it wasn't like, oh, man, it's all over. But but he definitely makes them less of a joke. And uh, that's that's not great as an NFC's fan. All right. That is the playoff picture in the NFC. I want to get to some of the oddities. There was some weird stuff going on. And let's start with the Monday night game. I can't even believe I'm going to say this because I don't know how it happened. Baltimore had 15 players on the field for one of the snaps. And the referees do not throw a flag and call a penalty. Cleveland had to actually use a challenge to get their officials to count the players on the field. There were four extra dudes out there. Math is hard stats, and I was kind of thinking, I was wondering, because I was thinking about the old uh, Buddy Ryan goal line play, uh, you know, where he purposely would put in, like, multiple defenders, more than, you know, the allowed amount, just to, uh, to help run the clock. Obviously, that's not what the uh, was going on in this game. But it kind of made me wonder, what if you just put, like, your entire roster out there on the field? Like, they can't call the penalty until after the snap, right? Like, they can't call that pre-snap. You can just put, like, your entire team out there, everyone, get that, well, whoever, just put them all out there, and it's like, all right, well, it's a penalty, but you, can you do that? I wonder. I don't know, but you'd at least like to think that if they did, the officials would throw the flag. The fact that Cleveland yeah. had to challenge that just to get a flag, that's like basic remedial stuff. And by the way, speaking of basic remedial stuff, what is going on with the Chargers? Like... <laughs> This is insanity. For the second week in a row, the Chargers have been in a situation where there's like 30 seconds left, they have no timeouts, and they run the ball and end up getting zero points. It happened again last week, and Anthony Lynn was supposed to be the guy in charge of the special teams. It feels like the Chargers and Anthony Lynn, like they can't get the easy stuff right. You know what I mean? There's like hard stuff in the NFL in terms of like scheme and you know like matchups. Like there's there's hard things to figure out, but like this is like the basic procedural stuff, and they can't do that. It is crazy that it's crazy that they haven't moved on from him. I mean, they're probably going to do it after the year, and that seems obvious at this point. But it's crazy that like he still has a job because he's like he's butchering things so badly that like he doesn't deserve to be here. RJ Ochoa on the look ahead is now fully on board the free Justin Herbert train. He actually, I don't know if you're aware of this, BLG, he's been advocating for Doug Peterson to end up with the Chargers to coach Justin Herbert. How do you feel about that? I mean, look, if the Eagles aren't going to respect their Super Bowl winning head coach and try to make him the scapegoat, I too would then want to see Doug Peterson with Justin Herbert. And one more oddity before we get to the survivor picks. And this one happened in the Cardinals game. They actually forced a fumble by kicking the arm and the ball on a on a return by Deion Lewis. 
they kicked the ball in the forearm with the foot, and not something you usually see, but the ball came out and they got it back. Is that legal? I don't... I guess, yeah, right? It's not tripping. As long as you don't trip the guy, I think you're in the clear. Okay. What, you're going to start telling guys to start kicking people now? You're going to kung fu on us? I mean, maybe that's the uh, market inefficiency here. You know, you get a black belt, come into the NFL, start kicking people around, cause some fumbles. That will be like the new event at the Combine, right? Like kicking skills? Well, you have like the peanut punch, you know? Like why, why can't you have like the karate kick, you know? Kick some fumbles out here. Very nice by you. Nice alliteration in a, in a big spot. I try. Look, the playoffs are coming up. I got to, you know, I got to turn it up. Well, speaking of turning it up, I don't want to say anything, but I am dominating yeah, do. That's the <laughs> right now. Dominating. You had a commanding lead. You are now nine and four. You picked the Lions over the Packers, which, by the way, I was thinking about you because I thought that there was a chance the Lions were going to pull that one out. Green Bay held on. They did cover. That's not what we do here. These are survivor I know, I'm picks, just saying, right? I'm just saying it wasn't like an insane pick. They didn't get blown out. No, I didn't think it was crazy at all. I mean, and maybe if Matt Stafford doesn't get banged up at the end of that game, the Lions find a way to win it. But they didn't, so you are now 9-4. and four. I, genius that I am, took the Seahawks over the Jets. I get the win. So now I am 8-5, and five, just one game back of you, BLG. Are you sweating yet? Uh, not really, because I, I know I'll win this. I'll, I'll pull it out. Kind of like the Chiefs over here. You know, they kind of just sleepwalk through the game. Uh, kind of just they like to make it interesting for the ratings, you know, kind of keep people tuned in. They don't want people tuning out. So that's basically what I'm doing here, too. All right. Well, you're up. Who are you taking in week 15? I still haven't taken the Chiefs this year and they play the Saints this week. And I'm thinking about that, but I'm also between, I'm between two here. So I, that's what I'm, I want to, I wanted to, to throw someone in the pit of misery here stats. So I'm going to use this opportunity to throw the Raiders in there. Pit of misery. You're in the pit of misery. Get down in there. Like what they've done recently is pathetic, especially in the context of them, like almost beating the chiefs twice this year, but then they get blown out by the Falcons who stink. They, they should have lost the jets. Wait, so you escaped the pit of misery. And you came back. They really should have lost to the New York football Jets. And then they get blown out this week by the Raiders. And now they're probably not even going to make the playoffs. They're they're seven and six. They're the ninth seed right now. I think they're going to lose to the Dolphins, and that would pretty much seal them, you know, shut them out from being the playoffs. And obviously we've talked about the Ravens, they're surging surging. I think they're going to make the playoffs, leaving the Raiders on the outside looking in. So I'm very tempted to take the Chargers over the Raiders, but you just reminded me stats that how could I possibly do that when Anthony Lynn is coaching the Chargers right now? So I have to talk myself out of that. Uh, I am taking the Chiefs to beat the Saints. Um, you might think that's a chalk pick, but uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it is, but I'm doing it. I'm taking the Chiefs. I, look, I think I, I I didn't take the Chiefs until week 15, so I deserve that right. They're on the board. I'm going to do it. I'm taking the Chiefs. You are just opening the door for me to catch up to you. Why? You think you think the Saints are going to beat the Chiefs? Well, it's such a risky pick by you. I'm giving you credit because, I mean, the Saints are the two seed in the NFC. You know, it's that's a tough game. I don't think a lot of people would be going there for their survivor pick, but there you are. You're out on that limb. I give you credit. Unfortunately okay. for you, it's going to cost you because you're going to lose again this week, and I'm going to come and catch you because I am taking the Green Bay Packers over the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are not bad by any stretch. I think they're they're getting it together. But Aaron Rodgers is on fire right now. Devontae Adams apparently cannot be covered or tackled by anyone. So I just think Green Bay is going to win there. It'll be a close game, but they'll get it done. And next week when we do the show, we will be tied. 
and you will be sweating then. If the Panthers can get torched by Drew Locke with four touchdowns and his best <laughs> game of his career, they can probably probably get torched by who should be the MVP, Aaron Rodgers, who, by the way, nineteen or 119.7 passer rating at 7.4 points higher than the next closest quarterback. You might have heard of him, Patrick Mahomes. So that's pretty good, huh? Not bad. So that Jordan Love pick is really going to uh, serve them well in the near future. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's definitely a good idea to take a quarterback, you know. Uh, I mean, look, the Eagles did it. It was a great pick for them. You know, just take a quarterback high when you don't need one. And, uh, you know, it'll work out. Like, think about that. They could have had another weapon on offense if they hadn't spent that pick on a quarterback. Like, they don't even need it right now. But that's that's where they are. They could have been even better than they are. And they're going to get it done for me. Next week, they're going to play extra hard just so I can catch you. We'll see. So that's going to wrap things up here on the Oddcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show to get this show and all our great shows here. And before we go, BLG, I have to read this because we have been called out, and I totally agree. And this is from TC Maya 11 who says, I love the episode, but you guys missed the greatest oddity of all time, a wide receiver that didn't believe he caught the ball while he did, and that was Tyree Kill in the Chiefs game. He says the coach didn't even challenge that due to his reaction or lack thereof. Love the show. Listen every week. I'm going to skip the part about them liking Monday football Monday. Maybe it'll be forever rain. Very good review here from TC Maya. And yeah, a very fair point. That's, we dropped the ball stats. That's on us. Um, we take a full accountability. We got to be better. Uh, we got to put ourselves in, in better positions here to succeed, as Andy Reid would say. But uh, look, it's Andy Reid. Yeah, who didn't challenge this. And that is pretty crazy. What if the Chiefs lost that game? I mean, that's probably what we like. It, I think we probably just didn't talk about it because it's the Chiefs and they're probably going to win anyway. But like, what if the Chiefs lost? And that was the difference. The Chiefs are so good. Not only can they overcome mistakes and the other team, they can also just score touchdowns and not count them. And they will still dominate you. That's where they are right now. Yeah, they can score by accident and it looks easy. <laughs> that is weird, though. Like you would have thought somebody in the Chiefs coaching staff would have just looked at the replay real quick and said hey challenge this thing or even i mean players more than ever or like the, the people who were like oh i definitely made that play even when they know they had no chance they made that play they're like oh i definitely made that you know challenge it challenge it like when do you ever see a player be like nah actually coach i didn't make that don't worry about it yeah that's true players love to lie especially when it results in them doing something good so good job by the reviewers please keep them coming enjoy the games everybody and we'll talk to you next week